Doing a daily Bible devotional has been the best thing that I've done for myself. My time in the Old Testament only proves to me again and again and again that the heart of man is deceitfully wicked above all things. When I'm reading the New Testament, I read it within the context of when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything in the New Testament is just an expansion of one of those two thoughts. Those are the two lenses through which I think with my mouth open as I read through the Old and New Testaments. Join me, won't you, for another adventure in Coffee, the Bible, and Page. Greetings, salutations, welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page, and to another fabulous day in the Lord's neighborhood. I'm Paige, your caffeine-imbued host. Here's my coffee. Hmm. In the beginning, coffee. And lo, it was very good. I do like my coffee. Well, I know I'd promise that we're going to get to the story of David, and we will. But you know what? I'm, I was like, uh... I'm, I'm like an excited little kid because I really want to get to the story of David because he is my, uh, one. he is probably one of my biggest heroes from the Old Testament. And, but in my rush to get to David, I was going to skip over some very important stuff. And I remember that uh, one of my goals is to make it through the Old Testament, as much of the Old Testament as possible this year. Uh, and not, not to skip anything. So I'm not going to skip anything. We had stopped at chapter, the end of chapter 5 of 1 Samuel. Uh, Israel had gone into battle with Philistines and had lost. They had taken the Ark of the Covenant with them, and when they, and the Philistines beat them, they took the Ark of the Covenant back home. And the minute they did, the Philistines were struck with plagues and tumors and all sorts of ugly things. And they recognized that this was because of this ark uh, of God. And so they made plans to send it back to Israel, which they did. And they put it on a cart, got a couple cows. And the cows delivered it across the border to a town of Beth Shemesh. And the their uh, recipients in Bethshemesh, the inhabitants of that town, rejoiced. They are coming and come back home. Philistines, they they turned around and went back home, and the plagues and everything stopped there. It's good for them for the time being. But the people of Bethshemesh, uh, they built an altar and sacrificed the cows on it, rejoicing that the, that the Ark of the Covenant returned. And then some people from Bethshemesh looked inside the Ark of the Covenant, and they were struck dead. And this scared, this scared the inhabitants of Bethshemesh. And uh, I just want to share a little bit of what they said here. The people of Bethshemesh asked, this is verse 20, Who can stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God? To whom will the Ark go up from here? You know, this phrase... Who will stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God? They recognize that God was holy, but that that phrasing, this holy God, to me, points at lack of relationship. It'd be like when I introduced my wife, I introduced her as, this is Glenda, she's my wife. 
you can see the relationship between she and I. But if I just introduced her as this wife, Glenda, I'm not hinting at any connection between her and I. I'm saying she's a wife. I'm not saying she's my wife, just this wife. Do you see, can you imagine the conversation I would get in with my wife <laughs> if that's how I introduced her? This wife, Glenda. Kind of impersonal. Well, they said here, who can stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God? Well, apparently not them. There's no relationship there. So they sent it to, they sent messengers to the people of Kirith, Jerem, next town down the line apparently, and they said, come and take this ark to your town. And that's where we pick up the story in chapter 7. So the men of Kirith, Jerem, came back and took up the ark of the Lord. They brought it to Aminadab's house on the hill and consecrated Eliar, his son, to guard the ark of the Lord. The ark remained excuse me, at Kirith Jerem a long time, 20 years in all, hmm, about half a generation. Think of this for a moment. The Ark of the Covenant, the centerpiece of the tabernacle, the symbol of God's presence in Israel's midst, it's being stored in someone's house instead of in a temple or at the tabernacle. The downgraded status of this Ark might have been partially due to the Philistine destruction of Shiloh. Now, there's other places in Scripture that talk about how Shiloh was destroyed by the Philistines, and some folks think that that's what happened in the previous battle we saw in chapter 5 and chapter 6 of 1 Samuel. Uh, down here in Psalm 78, 60, it says, He abandoned the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent he had set up among humans. In Jeremiah, he says, Go now to the place in Shiloh where I first made a dwelling for my name, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. Regardless of whether or not the tabernacle was actually destroyed, though, by the Philistines, the fact that the Ark of the Covenant wasn't there anymore, and that's what the tabernacle existed for. The tabernacle was the framework within which the tabernacle rested. The tabernacle was the point, the presence of God, the manifested presence of God. Well, that was the point of the whole thing. And if the thing that God ordained to signify his presence wasn't there, what good was the tabernacle? Can you see how it, everything in the worship world of Israel would be downgraded if the Ark of the Covenant wasn't at the tabernacle? And it wasn't. It was at this guy at Minadab's house. Abinadab's house, excuse me. And it was there for 20 years. So the Ark of the Covenant would not make its way to its rightful place until David was king in Jerusalem. Then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. So Samuel said to all the Israelites, if you're returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths and commit yourself to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their Baals and Ashtoreths and serve the Lord only. <laughs> this if-then statement, if you're returning to the Lord, then rid yourselves. The only valid evidence of repentance is an actual change in behavior. Somebody says, I repent. 
All right. Well, to repent means, if I remember correctly, to turn, change direction, to go the other way. I repent. Proof of that repentance is in your changed behavior. Um, I used to smoke. I was a two and a half pack a dayer, and my future wife, this I was engaged at the time, she never demanded I quit smoking. Even after I became a believer, Christians didn't demand I quit smoking. I knew in my heart that God wanted me to quit smoking. And it took me probably six months before I could get to the point where I could make it through a day without a cigarette. There were lots of failures along the way, but I pointed myself towards the goal of not smoking, and I fought it. I changed my behavior. I stayed away from places that would encourage me to smoke. I stayed away from places that would encourage me to smoke. Uh, I've had friends who are addicts, who have, uh, I'm thinking of this one young lady who is absolutely beautiful inside and out, got a wonderful husband, a couple dogs. She's, oh my gosh, to know, to know her at all is a pleasure. And she used to be a heroin addict. And the path back from heroin was not easy. But you could see her dedication to getting off heroin by the fact that she kept working at it. An addict won't change until they want to change. And then they'll take the steps necessary to change. Samuel is telling them, if you're truly repentant, then change. Let me see it. Now, one thing about this is that they vowed to repent. They put away their bales and astros and serve the Lord only. But it would still be over 20 years, I think, before God would restore the Ark of the Covenant to its rightful place in a temple, to the tabernacle. Repentance may be sincere, but realize that that doesn't absolve you from paying a price of sin. In 2001, 2002, I was incredibly foolish with money, and I went bankrupt. I'd lost almost everything. It was all I could do to hang on to my house long enough to sell it to pay off the bankruptcy. And I knew the sin. I addressed the sin. I changed how I was living as far as money goes, the foolish purchases and my foolishness with money, not saving it, making foolish, per you know, all the stuff that drove me into bankruptcy. I changed my direction. I repented. But I paid a price for the next two to three years before the bankruptcy was really paid off. And I still see I still feel the pain of that time. Just because I repented didn't make everything fine. Repentance may be sincere, but that doesn't remove the price to be paid for sin. The Israelites put away their Baals and their Ashtoreths, and they served the Lord only. But the Ark of the Covenant stayed at Abinadab's house. Then Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah. And I will intercede with the Lord for you. And when they assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted and they confessed, we've sinned against the Lord. Now, Samuel was serving, was serving as judge 
as a leader of Israel at Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. Can't blame them, really. They've had a lot of success against these pesky Israelites. They're going to go spank them again. They said to Samuel, Israel did, Don't stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb, sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord, and he cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. Watch how the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. They were going to come upon Israel while Israel was worshiping. Pretty, pretty sneaky. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them all along the way to a point below beth Car. Now, while the sacrifice was still in progress, the Philistine troops marched forward. Before the battle could be joined, however, the Lord thundered against the enemy. He demonstrated that he, not the Philistine god Dagon, or the Canaanite Baal, son of Dagon, he demonstrated that he was truly the god of the storm and the only one able to control the elements, whether for good or ill, because that's what those gods did in their pantheon of gods. With loud thunder highlights the vivid Old Testament image of thunder, the voice of God. And that threw them into a panic, and the Israelites were able to slay them and slaughter them. (sighs) Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they stopped invading Israel's territory. For a time, anyway. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. Now, this doesn't mean that there were no battles. There were battles. It's just that the Philistines weren't able to overcome the Israelites anymore, at least throughout Samuel's lifetime. The towns from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored to Israel, and Israel delivered the neighboring territory from the hands of the Philistines, and there was peace between Israel and the Amorites, also enemies of Israel. Samuel continued as Israel's leader all the days of his life. From year to year, he went in a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah, judging Israel and all those places, but he always went back to Ramah, where his home was. And there he also held court for Israel, and he built an altar there to the Lord. All right, here's the circuit of Samuel's judgeship. It's pretty small. Um, Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah. Gilgal was right next to Jericho uh, just after you crossed the, the Jordan River. You can see here in this map. And then you see uh, Ramah just to the west, hometown of Samuel. Mizpah just outside of Ramah. Bethel right next to Mizpah. And of course, you see Shiloh all the way at the top. That's where the tabernacle was. Um, but basically, his circuit was Gilgal, Mizpah, and Bethel. Um, Ramah, the last says, I'm looking at what this article says here. They're all within a few miles of each other. All three towns served as shrine centers at one time or another, as did Ramah, Samuel's hometown. Ramah was not far from the other three, about 14 miles northwest of Mizpah. Okay. 
and the local nature of judgeship in ancient Israel subtly introduces us to the need for a king. That's what this article said. Um, Samuel is limited. He couldn't be everywhere around Israel. You'd have to come to one of these places to catch up with him. He's probably getting old, and he couldn't travel all over Israel. Um, this is going to this is going to highlight to them the need for a king, which is going to take us to our next chapter, and that brings with it a whole different set of uh, circumstances to deal with. So, what do I walk away from this chapter? God's reminded me of the nature of true repentance. True repentance means a marked change in behavior. There's no easy way out. There wasn't an easy way out for my friend who used to be a heroin addict. There was no easy way out for me from bankruptcy. There's no easy way out for Israel. They were going to have to show marked, a marked difference in their attitude towards God. And that didn't mean that the Ark of the Covenant was immediately restored to them. It wasn't. All right, that's a good place to stop. I hope you all have a wonderful, glorious day. This is Paige. Here's my coffee. Folks, I'm out of here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. So, what did you think about today's Bible devotional? Email me and let me know your thoughts at ff. OG at me.com.